Blog Talk Radio. Hi, everybody. This is uh, Silvio Canto in Dallas, uh, Texas, on Thursday, April the 27th, and welcome to our commentary. Just a heads up, I have a post over at the American Thinker this morning talking about the video, the re-election video that President uh, Biden put out, I guess, a couple of days ago, and, and in a sense, taking a look at his strategy and what his strategy for 2024 will be. And it will be a strategy based on two things, Trump and abortion, Trump and abortion. And that's going to be it. He doesn't really have anything else that he can talk about. So it's all going to be about I'm not Trump and it's all going to be about abortion. So that's it. That's going to be his campaign strategy. And uh, so get ready to hear a lot about that. Again, you can check out my post over at the American Thinker uh, this morning. Before we get to our topic, uh, our topic today is 2024. I've got some thoughts on 2024, but I do want to say something about this press conference that uh, President Biden had yesterday with the president of South Korea. It was a routine press conference, as you know, when uh, the president gets a visitor like this from another country. Uh, they, they have a joint press conference and each side, I guess, gets two questions. And, you know, it's pretty, pretty routine. We've seen this many, many times over the years. What made this one different is that we were able to see what President Biden had, uh, his notes. And he had notes of the different reporters, even had a picture of one of the reporters, I guess more than one. And then I guess he had a circle as to who he would call first. And even though he didn't get the exact question, uh, he knew that this person was probably going to talk about this or talk about that. I can only tell you that what this incident reaffirms, right or wrong, but what this incident reaffirms, number one, is some kind of a relationship between the White House press and the Biden White House. And that, of course, is not good for the press because the press is supposed to be objective. Now, I'm not saying that the the press was handing in questions because they're denying that. They're saying, we didn't give you questions, or in advance, that is. But there's no doubt that at least the White House knew a great deal about what the reporter was going to ask, or at least what the reporter could ask. And it, it's just a bad look. You know, even if there was nothing to this, it's just a bad look to have that much you know, information in front of the president about the reporter and what he or she uh, could ask. The other issue that it confirms, and this one is more problematic than the first one, is the whole idea that President Biden cannot handle this, meaning he has to have all these notes, all these directions. Uh, if, if you saw the notes and you saw the detail on those notes. Obviously, there's somebody in the White House who sits there and designs all of this. And I've never seen that before. I mean, I've seen presidents, you go back to President Reagan, for example, or any other president, and they were like in a, you know, they had like a little podium, I guess, and they had different notes. And I can remember, you know, whether it was Reagan or Nixon or either Bush, the first or the second Bush, 
that, you know, when they would get the question, they look at their notes and they had certain reminders on their notes that they wanted to say. But that's totally different than this. This was almost like a script that the president was given. And it's, tell you, it confirms or reaffirms the idea that he cannot speak on his own. And that's the bad news for the White House. As I say, I think the incident with the press and the press, uh, I, I don't think that was as bad as as it was originally believed. But the fact that this president has to have all these notes in front of him, almost like, you know, do this, do this, do this, I think that reconfirms or reaffirms that uh, what many people are thinking, that this is a man who cannot think on his own, that he simply does not have the ability to answer questions like this from reporters. So it's it's not good. It's not good all around. But, uh, you know, what can I tell you? Well, let's get into our topic, and that is 2024. Look, I understand that uh, we have on one side uh, President Trump running again, and on the other hand, President Biden running again, and there are others who are running. But the reality is that 2024 is very much up in the air, because I think the issues that are going to define this election are not clear at the moment. Now, we talk about the economy and stuff like that. That's true. But when you look at, uh, at everything that's up in the air, you've got the economy, the GDP figures that came out today, which were not what they were expecting. GDP is growing at 1.1% in the first quarter of the year. Well, that's not a good number. When you have um, the inflation figures, when you have the border, uh, when you have inflation and the price of gasoline, and then, of course, the situation, the international situation, uh, Ukraine, Taiwan, you have the, the you know these trade deals that are being made by uh, by China and Brazil where they're dumping the U.S. dollar. None of that looks good. None of that looks good. And those are the issues that, in my opinion, are going to surface over the next six to nine months. So six nine months from now, we could be talking about any of those things. If there is a recession, for example, or if Taiwan and China go at it or if uh, Ukraine falls apart. I mean, the, the truth is Ukraine could fall apart. You know, we, we thought that things in Ukraine were going a lot different than what they really are. So Ukraine could fall apart. So what are you going to do? You're just going to let the Russians overrun Ukraine? You know, that's not, uh, that, that's scary, but that's what could, could happen. So all of these issues up in the air, and no one really knows what's going to happen over the next uh, six to nine months. I give you a couple of historical examples uh, to make my point. Back on this day in 1979, you know, if you go back to April 1979, President Carter uh, was a year, year and a half away from his reelection campaign. And, you know, at the time his situation was a little weak, but he was pretty much, he was holding his own uh, on whether or not he would be reelected. And then starting in the summer of 1979 and really practically going all the way over to the, the election uh, 15 months later, it just seemed like there was one bad news after another, one bad news after another, you know, one headline, bad headline after another. And then finally he lost uh, his bid for reelection because the American people were just sick and tired of, of, of everything going bad. They wanted to have a change. And that's how Reagan was elected. In 1983, at this point, President Ronald Reagan was again in a tie, basically, with most of his Democrat opponents. 
Uh, and a lot of it had to do with the recession that we were just coming out of. We had a horrible recession in 81, 82, 83. I'm sure some of you remember the inflation rates and the interest rates and all of that What happened that, that was happening back then. Then everything turned around for President Reagan. And as we finished 1983 and we went into 1984, by the fall of 1984, everything for Reagan was going great. The economy was recovering. The growth rates were booming and things were going so well on election day that he was reelected with 49 states. This is what we don't know about President Biden. Which one of these two scenarios lies ahead of him? Is it going to be a Carter scenario where things just get bad and bad and bad and just, you know, there's just a bad streak of things? Or is things going to turn around for him on the economy and some of these other crises? And then he looks a lot stronger by next year. That's what we don't know. That's what we don't know. My gut feeling is that the economy and some of these situations are going to get worse. And then, you know, whatever you think of President Biden today, he's going to look a lot weaker in six, nine months or so. Now, you, on top of that, you've got legitimate concerns about his age. And, you know, that's why I'm not convinced right now that we know who the Democrat nominee is going to be. We think it's going to be Biden because that's he's the one running. But don't be surprised if, if it's completely different. I just think that there's so much uncertainty, so much uncertainty up in the air that anything could happen over the next nine to 12 months. So um, that's about as much as I can tell you. I just don't know what's going to happen because there's so much uncertainty up in the air about the current events, the issues that we are facing. I've got a post coming out Friday morning. I'm going to give you a little heads up on that uh, regarding the, the city of Cancun, Mexico, and some cartel incidents that we've had re recently around Cancun, dead bodies, and so on. And the truth is that it's not directed at tourists. So it's not like the violence is being directed at tourists, but the violence is taking place. And what's happening is, is that Mexican cartel groups are fighting for territory. And very often those fights can happen anywhere. And, uh, you know, if they happen in Cancun and you happen to be a tourist down there and you're in the right, wrong place at the wrong time, uh, you're going to get killed. The Mexican government has been doing, I think, a decent job of keeping the violence out of the tourist locations like Cancun. But nevertheless, the cartels are so deadly that you may get caught up in, in some, some of these incidents. So check out, check out my my article uh, coming out Friday morning about all of this. On this day in 1947, and we leave you with a baseball memory, on this day in 1987, all of the Major League Baseball parks had a special day for Babe Ruth, who was very sick and uh, pretty much dying in a New York hospital. The Babe Ruth did go to the ceremony at uh, Yankee Stadium for a little bit. He couldn't stay for the whole thing because he was so sick. So he went to the ceremony, said a couple of things to the fans, and then went back to the went back to the hospital where he passed away months later. But the baseball world said goodbye to Babe Ruth on this day in 1947. You know, it's been a long time since Babe Ruth put on a uniform, but I still think he was the most consequential baseball player of the 20th century, in fact, of Major League history. And when you look at the whole package, he may have been the most consequential professional athlete. Uh, in American history because of the impact that he had in the game and in so many and so many other things. 
Thank you for listening. This is uh, Silvio Canto in Dallas, and we'll talk to you later. Bye-bye, everybody. Thank you.